Hello, my fans, friends. Welcome to the Rich Terring podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. Thanks to everyone who's come to see the Can I Have My Ball Back tour so far. It's been going really well. I've got a four-star review in The Standard, four-star review in The Telegraph, who once called me the worst comedy experience of the year, so that's a turnaround. Uh, people have been coming, people have really been enjoying it, and it's getting better and better. The only gigs this week are both in Pocklington, the town I was born in, near York. Uh, there's a couple of tickets left for the evening show and a few more tickets left for the matinee, I think about 4.30. But love to see you there, Yorkshire. Pop along, check richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs to see if I'm coming near to you. There are tickets left for nearly every show in the tour. I think Norwich has sold out. Uh, and a couple of gigs in London could do with your support as well. Anyway, please listen to the podcast. Do spread the news about the podcast to your friends. Listen as much as you can. Numbers are slightly down, which may affect the future of this podcast. So just leave it playing, even if you're not in the room. Love you. <laughs> now sit back, relax, and enjoy whatever it is you're going to listen to. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Oh, Ambassador, you are really spoiling us with these retro Rahalastapas. This week, we are looking back to the appearance of the wonderful Julian Clary, an absolute legend. I think he was a bit suspicious of me in this podcast, but I won him round. I think he liked me by the end of it. Um, and absolutely terrific to meet the man who fisted Norman Lamont uh, and paid the price for doing so. Um, we will keep putting out these retro Rahalastapas every now and again, just to remind you of old shows that you might like to hear again. Or if you're new to the podcast, just give you a chance to catch up on some episodes we think are amongst the best ones. But they're all good. Go back and check the back catalogue. Every single listen, every single download helps us because we get more money and then we can make more podcasts. It's a beautiful system. Also, I can save a little bit off to spend on luxury goods like this iPhone I'm talking to you in. <laughs> Life's great. OK, let's sit back, relax. And enjoy this retro Rahalastapa with Julian Clary. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who is having a twirl inserted somewhere right now. It's Richard. Hello! 
Welcome uh, to uh, Richard Chang's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. Uh, I was... Uh, I don't know if I've done this one. I was in uh, Solarium the other day. I was having their tan. And they've got nice bronze tan. And uh, all the ladies there called it Rehearsal. I don't know if that's going to catch on or not. So, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, been an interesting week. A week closer to my birthday here in... Uh, I feel like I've aged a week anyway since the last uh, show. <laughs> Let's have a quick chat with some people in the audience. Uh, the, 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 you were here last week, weren't you? We were talking about uh, Lego Batman together. Um, what's your name? Luke. Luke. Have you been to the show before, Luke? Uh, last week. You were here the last week. was the first time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're good. Uh, and uh, what do you do for a living, Luke? Do you, are you a film reviewer? I love Saturday. It's only exciting. What is it? Everything's exciting to me. Employee benefits. Employee benefits. That is, that is very exciting to me. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? What is what? What is, what is it? What is it? Wanking off the employees if they've done a good job. That's what I'm imagining. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. If you've got a, a what's your name? Martha. Martha. If you've got a uh, necklace on that said that is that in case it says caramel on it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a tonics caramel. It's tonics caramel. Is that so? If you ever pass out and people need to know what chocolate bar is to be in safe, they can just look. At, is that, would, is that what you would choose, Martha? What's, uh, you've got a necklace? We'll be moulded, yeah, it's good. I'm glad you thought about it. Why have you got a necklace saying uh, Tunnock's Caramel on it? Do you really like them? Did you have it especially made for you? No, it's from Etsy. Is it? Oh, from Etsy. Yeah, I've just heard about Etsy. We're having a, a bed made for our daughter through Etsy. Someone in Serbia is making us a bed. So, uh, It's my, my wife's... I don't know what it is. I think we have beds here in England. Well, I'm glad you like the, the tonic, the wafer. Do you like, the, do you like tonics, wafer? But you don't like them, do you? You, don't know, you, don't, you two don't like anything of it that each other like. You do like You do like them. That's what he said about Lego Batman, wasn't it? When you watched it, you went, that was brilliant. You went, I did like it. It's just... What's, 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 the, what's the shittest one you've seen of the films? Minions. Wow. Is that the actual Minions film, not Despicable Me, but the, the yeah, spe- yeah, specific no, Minions? Yeah, too many Minions in it. You know, you want to, <laughs> like, put a mi- couple of Minions in. They're the, they're the comic relief. Don't make them the centre of it, do they? It's like, yeah, it is. It's like, it's like Shrek, the one with all the Shreks, isn't it? Too many Shreks. Anyway, look, we're giving a carry. Thank you. It's been lovely to meet you. You're, you're a nice couple. I'm glad, I'm glad you've bred. Uh, that's what we've, we've learned a lot about you. <laughs> Employee benefits, eh? <laughs> is it all any employee anywhere? Can you just go in and go, well, I mate, is a benefit, or is it specifically in the company you work in? Yeah, only the, com- well, the companies I work for. Oh, the companies you work for. It's, it's benefits. For their yeah. yeah. Don't understand. <laughs> anyway, our, um, our guest this week is probably, he's best known for lots of things, but he's probably best known for Let's Do Lunch with Gino and Mel. That's why we're here. <laughs> he was our guest on that. That's why we're here to see him. I can't believe it's Julian Clary, ladies and gentlemen. Come in front of a microphone. Hello. How are you doing? How's the, how's the fan for you? We've it's put... fine at the moment. How nice to spend some time with a proper bloke. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of my time, I don't know if you know, but I'm a homosexual. <laughs> And so I spend a lot of time with other homosexuals, yeah. but you are a bloke, aren't you? 
I'm very. I'm, you, you'll you'll learn to love me. You'll find a way through this. I'm no, you have a certain rugged charm. There is. If you half close your eyes, he looks like Richard Gere. <laughs> So, um, I'm enjoying this, it's fine. It's Let's gonna, I'm gonna, I hope this is going for the whole hour. Of just, this is almost my dream come true. Uh, so, um, what about Gino Amel? Do you remember doing Let's Do Lunch with Gino Amel? I do, yeah. yes. I do, and he was cooking lamb. Was he? And he was trying to drum up sympathy for the farmers. He said, it's been a terrible year for the lamb farmers. And I said, it's not been such a good year for this lamb either. <laughs> I never expected to use that joke twice. <laughs> this is my kind of show. I've been to uh, Gino De Campio's house. Have you? Yeah, because I, I, was trying, I was looking to buy a house and he was selling his house. Have you got that much money? Uh, well, it's, it wasn't that good a house, I have oh, to right. say. Well, it, was, it was very cheap, actually. Uh, he's, um, it was an unpleasant area. He was, he was moving out, rightly so. I think he must have bought it near the uh, start of his career. Uh, he's got all of his... his own. <laughs> I've mentioned it before, but I don't think I've mentioned his name. I didn't know who he was, because you know, the, the, the estate agent was all very excited, going, someone a bit famous. And I was annoyed, because she wasn't going, I'm excited showing you around, Richard. You, Quiet. Yeah. How, uh, it's almost like she had sensitive. no idea who I was. <laughs> Can't understand it. I worked out who Gino De Campio was, because he had, in his kitchen he had six cookery books, and they were all written by him. And hasn't he got six ovens as well? <laughs> he has got a lot of ovens, yeah. and he's got a whole shelf just for his sunglasses. Has he? Yeah. And my wife assumed he'd broken up with his wife because his, it was, the bed, master bedroom was just his clothes. But she keeps her clothes downstairs. Anyway, there we go. That's Gino De Campo. <laughs> it's going ever so well. <laughs> I've learned so much. But you live in Noel Coward's house. It's my house. He must be furious. <laughs> Yeah, someone misheard me once saying I live in an old cow's house. I said, what do you want to live in an old council house for? <laughs> but no, I do. The, the very house uh, in Kent where he had all those fabulous parties in yes. the 20s and 30s. And I've tried to recreate an element of that. But, you know, because he, he had, uh, you know, the, um, what was his name? Lawrence Olivier, yes. Vivian Lee, uh, Joan Crawford. Who did I get round? Christopher Biggins. <laughs> I saw a picture of you with Twiggy and, and Twiggy with Noel Cab. Was that both in the same house? Was that? Uh, no, no. Um, I interviewed. I did a program about Noel oh, Cab, and Twiggy knew him back in the sixties right. before he died. Yes, <laughs> uh, he's in uh, Good Night Sweetheart. He's a character in Good Night Sweetheart. That's all I know about him. Uh, so, <laughs> it's a little bit fierce. This is fan. it too. Is it too far? Yeah, you asked for a fan, dude. I can I tell know. you. It's good. It was a good call. Let's try this. Just well, that's gone fast. That's more. That's gone yeah, fast. Just turn it down a bit the other way. And could you just tip it no. downwards a bit? Yes. Yeah. Times I've said that. Thank you. <laughs> I'll do anything. I'll do anything. No, no, no. no too fast again. We'll get this right, and then go. that's good. Try. Let's try that. It's good for now. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting because I'm not in the fan, so I'm getting a little sheen of the, you've made the right choice here. Yeah, it's it good. Hot. It looks I've, like I'm. I've played this theatre before. I did Taboo here yeah. many years ago, and it, it's a bit of a sweat box. <laughs> but we had some fun here back then. <laughs> what kind of fun did you have? Cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> The old nose cocaine there. That's, that's how they, they take 
Well, I was quite surprised. Like, there's a few things I want to talk to you about, obviously. And uh, the, the, one of the first things it says on Wikipedia about you is that you're openly gay. <laughs> that, which, that's such an... I'm, I'm kind of amazed that that phrase... It's an awful still, phrase, isn't, isn't it? it? But that's yes. like the... I mean, it's such an odd thing to say. A, yeah, we know. <laughs> and B, it sort of implies... He just doesn't care. <laughs> it's so open. <laughs> um, so uh, there's, there's a few things we'll, we'll get on to talking about that. But um, Are you openly straight? I am. Well, I'm open. I think I am probably openly straight. Pro- that's the, you wouldn't ever say it, would you? I th- you know, I, I kissed a man and in, in, a guy in college, you know. So oh, now, nice. yeah. carry on. Uh, <laughs> Were you experimenting? Nice. I was, I was a bit, yeah, I was showing off probably. Did it arouse you? No, he, he was a bit stubbly, which, I, you know, I'm sure he felt the same as well. Yes. That's my, that was my major problem with the rest of it, it was nice. A kiss is a kiss, right? The fir- well, the first man I kissed had a beard, right. and that, that was a funny experience, all that scratchiness going yes. on. <laughs> <laughs> Probably weirder things happen uh, later on. But, um, <laughs> um, I want to talk to you about the, o- the, the, uh, the opening. It's impossible to avoid, isn't it? Um, do you find with innuendo comedy that it's hard to <laughs> be serious? Because I saw, I saw you being interviewed and you were talking about something quite serious and you said it's very hard and then I imagine people just start going... I know, it's, it's, and it's not in my mind half the time. It's, it, it just happens. Um, um, I, was on, I was complaining about my phone line. I was on the phone to BT and uh, the, uh, the woman was just being very formal with me and then she said, will you hold? And uh, she tickled her own fancy. And she, <laughs> She was off. So it does happen, and it's, it's bound to happen. Yeah. So um, I understand. You can cope with it if people are in the middle of a series. Yeah, it'll only last for this evening. You won't be talking in innuendos no, for the rest right. of your career. Okay, I'll I hope. try not to. Well. <laughs> Such as it is. Such as it is. <laughs> they, they can't be long to go either, so. Uh, so it came out again. Oh, it did it again. Um, I wanted to talk to you about the, uh, how you got started, uh, and because I'm quite fascinated by it. We had Paul Merton on the, the other week, and I'm quite fascinated by those early days of alternative comedy that you were very much involved in. Yes. And it sounds like you were doing... I mean, there was lots of different acts you were doing, and lots of... Well, they were, it was the same act with different names. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when I first started, I was called... Um, Gla- well, I did a double act called Glad and May. Depends how far back we go. Right, okay. That was when I was at university, so that was in uh, 1980, 81. Right. Then the girl that I was... I, the, the opening line was, Hello, I'm glad, and I'm glad to be here. That's what she said. Mm-hmm. And I said, Hello, I'm May, and I may be glad to be here. <laughs> that was the level. <laughs> Anyway, um, Glad got a job acting, so then I was left on my own. So then I changed my name to Gillian Pieface. Yes. And that was... I like that name. I was going... I mean, in those days, they weren't... You didn't work very often. There weren't any... There wasn't anywhere to play. There was no. a vegetarian restaurant in Highgate called the Earth Exchange. <laughs> and there was no stage. It was just a restaurant, and you would sort of perform standing in the fireplace. <laughs> and uh, I acquired this little mongrel dog and I was living in a bed sitting in New Cross I couldn't leave the dog behind so I used to take her with me and uh, she had nowhere to go so she used to sit next to me and I noticed that um, after a while the audience weren't really looking at me (laughs) (laughs) she was a very charismatic dog Fanny the Wonder Dog and and she became the star of the show and um, 
then I was, I was lying in the bath one day and I was listening, the television was on in the other room and the theme to Dynasty came on, which gave me the idea to call myself the Joan Collins fan club. And Gillian Pyface was sort of, she was a Mother Earth figure. Okay. Used to wear a big black caftan and I would do the laying on of hands. So if you were a punter, I yeah. would say, um, I'm going to do the laying on of hands. Um, and it's not working, I'm going to have to plunge you into darkness. And I would lift up the caftan, <laughs> put it over your head, and much hilarity would ensue on account of the oral sex imagery. <laughs> you see. So then when I... Now, I thought, I don't really like dressing up. I didn't want to impersonate a woman. I wanted to be a man wearing lots of makeup. So that's when I did the black rubber and stuff. And, and yeah. Fanny's part got bigger and bigger. And at the same time... Um, she used to do these impersonations of the Pope. and <laughs> The Queen Mother was one of her best. <laughs> She'd sit on a stool and I would lift up her, her gums like that. And there was a, a row of perfect brown teeth. <laughs> the resemblance <laughs> was uncanny. And at the same time, there was more and more venues, rooms above pubs and things. And Paul Merton was, was doing an act in his pyjamas. Did he tell you about yes, this? Yes, well, yeah. The man in his pyjamas. Yeah. And Joe Brand was the sea monster. Right, yeah. And all sorts of bizarre. And it wasn't just comedy. There was jugglers and um, it was sort of a variety. Yeah. I feel very old talking about <laughs> it. Well, you're not very old. No. And no you're way. still looking incredibly amazing. If, you, if I'd been at college with you, I would definitely have stopped. No, you would not. Uh, I, <laughs> I <laughs> Security would have been called. <laughs> and um, but there was, and it was again, it was quite a quick transition then between that that stuff and getting that got onto TV quite. quite well, quickly. it was about five years. The there yeah. we. So the circuit got bigger. I'm sort of jumping ahead, but there were places like the Comedy Store and Jonglers, and you slowly got onto uh, better gigs. And then uh, there was a show called Saturday Night Live, and the producers would, would come in, and word would get around that the producers were in, and one by one people were plucked from obscurity. Harry Enfield would just be gone from the circuit. <laughs> and um, what was his name that used to compare it? Ben Elton? Ben Elton. <laughs> How quickly we forget. <laughs> anyway, it was a very long wait till I got my turn. And I think, because they, they would have a guest comedian on each week. Yeah, and and, course, and, yeah. and it, was, it, it was on Channel 4, I think. And anyway, if it went well, then you would, you'd get your own series. It was sort of as simple as that. Yeah. And... Um, so it was a long, long wait, and then eventually I think they ran out of other acts to have on, and, uh, and Fanny and I were, um, were chosen. Yeah. I, mean, I, saw, I was, I was going to introduce you as being the host of Trick or Treat, because mm. it kind of tickled me that you were doing a show with Mike Smith. Yes. Um, it was a kind of game show that you did. It was together. a Saturday Night ITV game yeah. show with Mike Smith. But then I watched a clip of Mike Smith talking. Well, like, do you remember the clip of um, Jimmy Greaves on... Jimmy Greaves was being interviewed on um, like Breakfast Television, very early incarnation of Breakfast Television, mm. and Mike Smith was there talking about the show. Yes. And and Jimmy Greaves, who I quite liked until this point, <laughs> said, "Oh, what's about you know? How can you be on that show with that you know prancing poof?" Yes, I think that's what he but said. But uh, people would say that in those days. When I was yeah. writing my autobiography, I looked up some old press cuttings, and yeah. it, it was you know words like that were just that was in the headline. Get this 
get this puff off our screens and yeah. stuff. It's just how it was. It's sort of incredible. And Mike Smith, he, you know, said, "Oh, we maybe do a show with you about bigotry or something." He said, "He makes yes, he, he came back to him and stood up for he did the, the show." Him, yeah. So I decided not to take the piss out of Mike Smith because I was I was glad that he did that. No, I was very fond of him. Yeah. It's quite an odd pairing, <laughs> you and Mike Smith. It was. It was a strange, a strange show. It didn't come back for a second series. No. <laughs> was, that, was that sort of TV tr- trying to think, well, we've got to have someone... That, that, what, what was, what, how was that pairing put together, do you think? Was that, had they chosen you and then thought, we need someone who the viewers will not be scared of? Or had they chosen Mike Smith and thought, he's a bit boring, let's bring in a guy <laughs> dressed in later? I don't you know, I, no, no one told me what the, no. what the producers were thinking, but it was, it was something like, and it, I had to, it was my job to, because I quite like uh, plucking people from the audience, to, if it's a game show. Yeah. And, but I like choosing them myself, but in that show, of course, they had to be researched, and uh, um, so it was pretending to pick someone that you actually knew all about, and of course, yeah. that, that didn't really work. No. When I did Sticking Moments later, I said, no, I really am going to pick people that no one knows who they are, and that worked better, because um, they weren't certified extrovert yes, yes. people. Well, that's that, interesting, because I think TV does that so much, where they're trying to cover, they're, they're putting safety nets everywhere, and you're not really allowed to improvise, I think, in, in hardly any shows now. You know, the, the, everyone gets the questions in advance, everyone knows who they're talking to, but you don't get the awkward spontaneity that we're enjoying. <laughs> Is it awkward? No, it's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> Just, please don't lunge at me, Richard. No need for it. So, look, I'm going to talk about this quickly. We'll, but I think this is... Hopefully I can cover an interesting, an interesting angle from this. Uh, but um, it's, it's sort of weird to have a comedian and a, a career that is sort of defined by one moment so strongly. And I think, like... But I think what, what's sort of interesting about the moment that you're defined by, in, in a lot of people's eyes, is... Well, there's sort of lots going on. So the, with the, this Norman Lamont thing that... Um, People will remember, I think, from the from the, uh, from the British Comedy Awards. Um, that, yeah, well, Andy McH made a good point on Twitter today, saying that actually the uh, the fisting line is actually the setup to a joke. That yes, no, that, a good yeah. point because people forget. People think I just said I fisted Norman Lamont, who was the Chancellor of the Exchequer. But the, the punchline was was quite good for one of my jokes. Yeah. Talk about a red box. Yeah. <laughs> just came to me on the night. It was good. <laughs> But you didn't get to, you, well, you sort of got to it, and then yeah. sort of it came because everyone was so amazed. In the room, it plays like incredible. Richard and Judy are laughing. Nor um, Martin and Mars, they're laughing. You look around, all these celebrities, they're really laughing at this. This, and but obviously it was it was jumped upon by the press. Like, and I feel like in a way that having seen the Jimmy Greaves stuff, it felt like this is just we've been waiting for an opportunity to get you. Do you not? Do you not? Because. They didn't like the idea of you being openly, <laughs> openly gay. Uh, so they were. Well, that's you think so? I mean, I, th- I think they were. I think because it's not that bad. You see, it's difficult. We did a show two years later called Fist of Fun, and yes. we'd, we'd come up with that title before you said your thing. But we thought, you know, someone's going to spot that what that's about, and no one yes. doesn't bat an eyelid. And so, admittedly, it was a it was a quite outrageous thing to say on live TV. I suppose. It's. I mean, it's so difficult looking back after all these years. I mean, how long ago was it? It was such a long time ago. Yes. 93 or... 93, I think, yeah. Well, 
And it's difficult to remember the truth because, you know, you can impose all sorts of things and you think that's a good story. Um, and I think um, my take on it is that there were other things going on in my life at that time. And it wasn't all about my career. No. And um, so I was having a bit of a difficult time and I needed um, space. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to clear your diary... <laughs> Quite quickly. That's a very good way to do it. And, and having, I was, you know, I'd been on this upward trajectory and it was all a bit much and then there was my boyfriend was ill and this, that and the other. And uh, suddenly it was, oh, I was just calmed down now. Do you, think, would, do you think there was an element that you were deliberately doing that, though? Or no, you? I think the universe was yeah. doing it. This is what I say in retrospect. But, you know, I, saw, but I, saw, I, I really feel like you had to explain to the people who were offended about it what it meant, right? Yes. They, it was so, the, so it didn't... It wasn't offensive because... You'd have to get if a child went. What does that mean? Oh, it means he's punching him or whatever. Yeah, you'd have to explain it. So everyone was gleefully. And and, and and what I slightly find interesting, I think, wasn't Piers Morgan one of the people who mm. really went for you? Yeah. And then you, but subsequently you've been on Piers Morgan's chat show as well. The life stories. Yeah, thing. yeah. Yes. Was um, that a difficult decision to go on that show, knowing that he sort of attempted to take you down, or was was there a um, well, I've, I've, hadn't really, I've forgotten the connection right. so after I did it Paul Merton phoned me up and said you know he was the editor at the time right. so he, 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 um, he caused that whole sort of furor yeah. but I don't feel um, bitter about it I mean I'm slightly bored with it not yeah, that I'm course, bored yeah. with talking no, about I know. it well, to I, you I'm, you understand no I do understand but <laughs> I do understand one will never escape it and I know no. when I die that the, you know, the obituary will say it will probably be you know, the headline but um, on the plus side when Norman Lamont dies, it will also be that. Yes. And are there any modern-day politicians and extreme sexual practices that aren't really out in the open yet for the public that you would like to combine for this podcast to give us some No, there's... Um, um, well, there probably aren't. Well, there, there are things that surprise me that go on now. Yes. Yes. Do you know what felching is? Yeah, well, yeah, I do, but I knew about that a, lo- a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> say it appeals to me, but it does go on. Yes. It's a, well, you know, wh- whatever floats your boat is what I say. That's my. Um, <laughs> talking of felching, have you ever met Brian Blessed? Who <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd imagine. I think I have. Yeah, yes. has he been to your house, Brian Blessed? No, no. He, he, well, I didn't invite him. I mean, just everyone's got a story about Brian Blessed. I wondered if you. Cause I was saying last week I met he, when I met him he said he wanted he was going to Mars not for a TV show for, for in reality. Yes, is he really that ebullient? I, well, I think um, he is. Is it an act or is is it like that at home? Do you think? I think he probably I, is. I find I'm a bit, a bit suspicious, you know, <laughs> that, he, that it's just what's expected of him now. Yeah, well, I think, but then that's again that, that's a sort of interesting showbiz thing that he's become associate. Well, he, he was quite a serious actor up to a point before yes. he was in uh, I Claudius and things like that. I think yeah. wasn't he? He did he did quite boomy characters, but. He's definitely played up to it. And since the uh, Gordon's Alive, uh, Flash Gordon, yes. that's become... You know, so you're right, he's sort of playing that character in yes. real life, but I think he probably is... You can't blame him. But it's he, inhabited him, I think. I think it's him all the time. He's marri- think, is he married? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It'd be nice to talk to his wife about him if we're really that interested <laughs> in Brian Blessed. I'll get him I must say, I'm glazing over. Okay. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. 
Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. All right, I've got a, I've got a new emergency question and if you can't think of an answer, I've got an answer for you, but I'm hoping you'll remember the answer. What is the strangest thing you have found in the embers of a bonfire? You, would, you, would, you had a piano that you played secretly in your house. Do you want to tell the story or shall I? No. <laughs> yes, no, I was... Very... Or we could just tell people to buy your book and they can read it themselves. Yes, it's quite near the beginning. I was quite shy about any creativity as a child. So, and I, my parents bought me this... Beautiful old piano, and it was an, it was an upright. There you yes. go. <laughs> and it had ivory keys and those things with a candle. It was a beautiful piano. Yeah. And um, I would only play it when everyone was out for some reason, and I used to make up my own songs and everything. And uh, I came home from school one day, and my father was down the end of the garden having a bonfire. And uh, I wandered down and said, oh, hello. And I was sticking out of it, I noticed all the keys. And, they, they wanted the space in the dining room for some reason. And he'd burnt my piano. And um, I've never forgiven him. I mean, no. our relationship has never been the same. <laughs> it's strange what people... That's what it, it's, Weirdly, I just came up with that question. It's sort of strange because people... It's weird what people will burn. And the things you remember that people burn are always the most horrific things. But imagine having a piano and saying, I'll, well, I'll of burn he, it rather than just give it to someone. I know, that upset me as well. Yeah. He wasn't to know I've ever played it. No, you're secretly but, playing you know, it. So. Had he not burnt that piano, I, I may have had another life <laughs> as a songwriter or something instead of being a camp comic and renowned homosexual. My yeah. life <laughs> could have but been different. Do you think if John's piano had been burnt? I think he'd have got, I think he cared enough to go and buy another get another piano. Yes. Yeah. I no, I've, I've since bought. I've now got Noel Coward's piano in okay. my house because it, it was for sale. I thought it'd be nice. Bring it back to where it used yeah, to yeah. be, and I assumed the moment I sat in front of it <laughs> that I, I would come back to me and I would start playing um, one of his lovely tunes. Yeah. But it doesn't work like that. Doesn't work like that. <laughs> it's a shame, isn't it? <laughs> it should work like that. Good question at the embers of the bonfire. You know it. You know it. Uh, <laughs> I'll ask you uh, another. I'll ask you another emergency question. It's going to be a random one, and I hope it's not a terrible one. What's, oh, well, hang on. What's this book then? This is my book of emergency questions. They're very popular amongst these hundred people oh. in this room. Has it, uh, has so it I made been a published? Book well, I've, pu- I've self-published it. Oh, of course you have. Yeah. <laughs> 
but it's you know it's doing it's doing very well. It's doing all right. And you get more you get more money if you do it yourself. So it's just a book of questions. It's a book of stupid questions. And I was, uh, what is the sexiest TV puppet? I was going to ask you. Oh, this is the sort of thing students would like. Yes, isn't it? it is. <laughs> now you're getting it. <laughs> So is that my question? Yeah. The sexiest TV puppet. If you had to have sex with a TV puppet. Oh, please. If you had to be attracted to a TV puppet. Is there any TV... There's some... Tri- there was one of the Thunderbirds. They had lovely eyelashes. I can't remember his name, though. I reckon it was Gordon Tracy. And was he in a uniform? Yeah. No, that would do yeah. the trick. There's a lot of... There's a lot of... There's yes. a lot of the... Thund- you get all the Thunderbirds together... Really? I wouldn't bother with brains so much, maybe. No, you'd, you'd have liked Lady Penelope, I wouldn't played, you? Yeah, I, I liked the... Uh, there was, I, well, I quite liked Zuki from Fireball XL5. He was sort of a creature rather than a, a human okay. of any kind. Well, there was also Aquamarine. Do you remember Aquamarina? She was nice. Yes, I remember the tune. Yeah. Yes. And she was like a mermaid. I think she was based on this... I think they're both based on the... What's her name? Um, the wife of uh, the guy who... Come on, you're my, you're my nerd. It was, what's... Yeah, Jerry Anderson's oh, wife, yeah. Sylvia Anderson. I think they're both based on Sylvia Anderson. <laughs> so I'd like to... The poor woman over there has a terrible view of me. You can only see my back. And who is that with you? What's your name? Lovely. Yes. How are you? How old are you, Tom? Uh, 42. 42. <laughs> You're never too old for a hoodie, are you? <laughs> That's amazing. The way you sensed him there, behind you. <laughs> you I phoned in. You, did. you didn't even sit. He's in the dark. He's behind you, and yet still somehow... <laughs> I used to do jokes on, on the circle. I used to j- do jokes about bald people. Yes. And, uh, sometimes you couldn't find a bald person. I used to go right to the back of the room to find a bald, ma- yeah. bald man in order to say... Um, <laughs> You haven't got much hair, but you've got a lovely head of skin. <laughs> not really worth the trouble, but... Needs must. So, um... <laughs> you can, I'll let you have I that. I think it's got quite small print. It has. For, it, it, for it, the over some, 50s. some of my older... And I'm, I'm, I'm nearly 50 myself, so I'm finding it a little bit myself. Uh, I didn't... I didn't Are you having, that. like, a 50th birthday? Uh, well, I, well, with so much is going on, that I don't think we're going to do anything because I'm what? moving house and we're, you know, we're doing Edinburgh and are you moving into Gino's house? And we're not. We're moving into uh, a, a, a different place, thankfully. Oh, you've got to do something for your fiftieth. Um, I don't think we were. It's so I went to my my mum was eighty uh, yesterday, and the day before we had a, I had a meal with my family to celebrate my fiftieth, even though it was a little bit early. So we sort of done a little thing. A meal. I, yeah. <laughs> I've accepted my age. <laughs> no, Coming around from me. <laughs> very nice. Okay, no, I, I think you'll regret that. There, I think one ought to mark the decades. Well, I did. I did one for forty, and then I just got very unhappy. I was very unhappy about turning forty, and um, and I and I got very drunk, and like it was sort of all the ghosts of your past come back. You know, and like you invite everyone, and then the girl that I'd been seeing recently t- turned up with this very handsome actor and then someone else was there. There was someone at my, there was someone I really liked who I'd been out with and then we'd split up but I still liked her. And she turned up with a guy who'd been out with someone else who I'd really liked and then gone out with him. So it was this weird thing where this, you know, all these ghosts of girlfriends... Were you marked. crying in the toilet? I, 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 more or less, I had to be taken home. Very sensitive. Yeah, I'm very sensitive underneath it all. 
Um, <laughs> I'm very sensitive. Oh, a little bubble. tip for you. Yeah. Don't invite your exes to the next <laughs> I've might, realised that might have a better time. That's what I've realised now. So I'm going to go out with my wife and daughter. And for go, a meal? We're going to go for... We're going to go to the rain... Uh, it is going to be two Tell meals. Tell me you're not going to a harvester inn. We're going to... I'll just kill myself now. We're going to the Rainforest Cafe for lunch. Are you? Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, and then my wife's taking me somewhere nice for dinner. But we're, go, we're going to the Science Museum, I think. I went to the British Museum on my... <laughs> Different folks, different. So you take your canes and I go and look and at some old things. House. Whereabouts is your new house? It's in Hertfordshire. Okay. It's Can you be more specific? Like, well, no, because these people will come and find me. You know? <laughs> I don't want them to know where I live. Is it town or country? It's a little, vi- it's a little village in Hertfordshire. It's kind of near to Hitchin. Okay, I bet they're thrilled. <laughs> You never guess who's moved in down the road. <laughs> I tell you, what happened, the last time I was there dropping some stuff off, a lady was walking her dog past me. She said, Yo, are you moving in here? I said, yes, yeah, yes. Um, your, your in-laws live in uh, Welling, don't they? I said, yeah. She said, yeah, and uh, you're not moving in until the end of June, which I thought was the case. She said, yeah, yeah. He said, um, yeah, we've always been talking about you. I, I had to look you up on the internet. I didn't know who you were. <laughs> But they are quite sure nosy in village. I yeah. live in a village, and you know they like to mix and mingle, and yes. they like to try and involve you. Yes. They'll be opening the cat's home before you know it. Yes. <laughs> do you manage to get out of that sort of stuff, or do you do you get involved in? Well, stuff? I'm quite good at, at being unfriendly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not afraid of an uncomfortable pause. <laughs> if, if people ask me something I don't want to do, I don't want to do so. Um, I said, no, they've tried, but I, I've, I've, I've beaten them off, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good. Well, I'm, I'll try and do that, but yeah. We, but we went, to the, we went to the fete. There was a summer fete, and we went there, and no, uh, nothing happened at all. We didn't get to talk to anyone, so I, I, think, I think I'm going to be fine. <laughs> so, and you're, you're uh, like Paul Merton. Uh, did Paul, Paul, did Paul um, write... Uh, Terry and Julian with you? Yes, yeah. he, he wrote Sticky Moments with me, Sticky and moments. he's a terribly clever, Paul, as we know, but he's yeah. very good at writing uh, jokes that, uh, you know, in, in my line of business, yeah. and, uh, and the work worked really well. So um, I don't know how he does that, but, it, but he does. Yeah, well, he's, well, he's a studies comedy, doesn't he? He's a, he's yes. a big student of comedy. And you, you do lots of just a minutes as well. What did he write? What joke did he write for me? Oh, this was for a radio show. Okay. I don't know if this is worth repeating. We're in a restaurant. The scene was in a restaurant. I said, I'll have the chef's special. And, no. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want the chef's special, says the waiter. And I say, yes, but let me have my dinner first. (laughs) That was one of Paul Merton's jokes. (laughs) There was another scene in an army barracks. And the sergeant major said to me, top or bottom? And I said, let me get unpacked first. (laughs) A joke along similar lines, (laughs) but we have to credit Paul Merton with those. (laughs) So, what... It it seems quite an unlikely pairing of comedians in in a lot of ways, the two of you, but you obviously hit it off. You talk through warmed about you as well. Yeah, no, he makes me laugh, and uh, and he he always has. And when we we used to come round to my place, I would buy a packet of fondant fancies. (laughs) (laughs) And we'd have a meal. (laughs) And (laughs) do some writing. This is why I look like I do, because I like eating food and not taking cocaine. <laughs> that is the... Uh, I don't the, take cocaine anymore, no. could I just say? No. The quality these days. <laughs> 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 
But you've, your book's slightly about that, but you, you wrote your book when you were 45, and so it's about that. It's, it's the same thing, my show's about turning 50 and feeling your, you know, you've entered a new continent, I suppose, isn't it, where, where the, the things you... A new what? A new continent. I sort of see it as, I think being young and being older, you're on two continents, and the older continent is the continent of the incontinent. And, uh, you know, but things have changed. You drift apart, I think, don't yes. you, from, from... And you can't go... Well, some people do go back into that... Some, 50 and 60 year olds do still dabble in that. Uh, yes, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, no, I quite, I just sort of evolves. And pe- people often say to me in interviews, don't you miss all the lycra and the makeup <laughs> and the dressing up? And uh, you sort of don't. And then, you know, you wander down Old Compton Street some Friday nights and you see some sad old queen <laughs> squeezed into <laughs> something unsuitable. And you think, well, I'm glad I'm not like that. Yeah. I mean, you sort of, it's about mature. It's interesting, I think, as a comedian, it's sort of about maturing, but also you retain that. It's, the, it's a silly job, and it's a childish job. Yes. And it's the, but it's the, it's the positive side of childishness, I think, that, is, that the good comedians have. Well, you so, never really grow up. You, no. know, you have your inner child, don't you? Yes. And uh, it's always accessible. Well, you still feel the same as, you know, you still feel like you're young. <laughs> but you're, and, but yeah. I think it's about, you know, I've got, in the show, I, in my show, I, I've got a complaint letter from someone who says, you know, I'm a nearly 50-year-old man who hasn't grown up and is an embar- will be an embarrassment to my children for being so old and that sort of thing. But I sort of go, that's sort of the act. <laughs> that's the act. You've is this the show you've just done? Or no, it's the, new one. it's the new one coming up. So, oh, so how long do you wait between shows? Not, uh, well, I, I tour and, in the spring and then I write a new show in like six weeks and then keep on working on it as I'm touring it as well. So I'll do Edinburgh, I'm doing Edinburgh and so far, I'm, I'm, amazingly, because I, I do them all every so you year. Did, now. You did like what, fifty dates or something? Yeah, yeah. In the and spring. The, well, I do fifty dates in the spring, and I'll do a bit more, sixty or seventy, and I'll do Edinburgh usually, and do. So it'll be a new show for Edinburgh, is what yeah. I'm saying. So I'll preview it, and then I'll do Edinburgh, and by the end of Edinburgh, hopefully, it's good enough, and they've got enough ideas to so then make it ninety minutes. And then you do another tour next spring. Yeah, but they're no, the same show. So I tour that show, and then I write a new show. That, I don't. I hate to talk about. I my, like to <laughs> wait about three years. Do you? I always think people get sick of me. Yeah. If you keep saying it's me again. <laughs> they they do. Yeah, they do get sick. <laughs> I think they I think my audience have sort of worked out kind of rotor system. <laughs> it's like arable farming. Where they'll go, right, you go this year. Yeah. Let me know if there was anything good. You'll do a best of show in four or five years. We'll we'll see if it comes up. I I, I really I, I I really like to well, I th- because I think my shows are always a little bit different as well, so it's not... And this is probably a, a bad thing. I don't think I've completely settled on a persona. So I can, do a, I can do a political show and I can do a silly show and I can do a, you know, a thoughtful show. So they're all a little bit different, but they're mainly about me masturbating. <laughs> that's the, there's, if there's a theme to my work... Well, that's the thing, isn't it? When you turn yourself into a product, <laughs> yeah. as we do, you just have to keep talking about yourself... It's funny. It's a funny life. You get quite self-absorbed. Yeah, but that's that is sort of what it is. I mean, my my husband everyone. works in an office, and you yes. know, I have no idea what he does. <laughs> <laughs> He's tried to tell me several times, but I'm so bored. <laughs> but I saw you said, in one of your interviews talking about how he gets up and goes to work, and you're in bed, and then by the time he gets home, you're in bed again, and so you only see you lying down. He works very, very hard, and yeah. in the, whatever it is in this <laughs> office, gets up, goes to work, 
uh, at about 7.30 and yeah. I'm in bed, comes back after midnight. I'm in, there was a six-month period where he never once saw me standing up. <laughs> I was just a prone figure under the duvet. But that's, it sounds like that sort of suits you. It's nice to have the commitment but still be... I think you, you're quite a... You like, you like your own company? I do. Now, we're neither of us very needy, so no. that is fine. And I try, I think it's important to try and remain faithful. Yes. But there are times. <laughs> I was at the car wash the other day. <laughs> you know how erotic these car washes are? Five or six swarthy men leaping all over you with hose pipes and squeegees. And I thought, I thought, I thought knew, this is wrong. I knew it was wrong. And for a start, we haven't got a car. <laughs> I was... Um, with my marriage, I've been married for five years, and, you know, I sort of think it's, it's nice to be faithful, as you say, but, like, I don't get any offers anymore. So, in a way, what's the, there's, no, there's no kudos in being faithful... If no one's interested in it, you can't. You can go, yes, I haven't slept with anyone because no one's interested. No, you're not. So, you know, you need to be, have the temptation uh, to be able to go home and go, yes, I've successfully resisted the temptation. Otherwise, it's not an impressive virtue, fidelity. And who did you marry? I married uh, my wife. <laughs> Worked out very well for us. Uh, she's a, uh, she was a comedian and she's a children's author. She's oh, really? Katie, Katie Wilkins. Oh. She's lovely. And you've got children. We've got a child and another one on the way. <laughs> breeding going it on. It is. It's late in life, but... Oh, this is why you've got to keep working, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. Got, <laughs> you've got responsibilities. It There'll is. be school fees next. Uh, do I, we'll hopefully not have to do that, but we'll see. But hopefully the education will still exist in four or five years' time. <laughs> I think it's one of the things that they're... It's not that important to, like, basic NHS and fire services. It's not that important to the Conservative government. Um, and have you got any pets? Uh, well, we've just got a dog, but we haven't, I've only met it once. We're still with its mother at the moment. So it's a puppy. It's a. Uh, it's a. Uh, we got we got a cat that I have had for a while. No, go back to the like. dog. What's the dog is a husky crossed with the German shepherd. Oh, ooh! <laughs> it's don't, a big dog. Don't go and collect it. <laughs> it's it's going to be big. It's cute at the moment. I don't like it? huskies. They you can know. be vicious. No one attacked my Valerie. A really? Years ago, yeah, grabbed her by the scruff of the neck. Yeah. But anyway. Well, you know, it'll protect Wouldn't us from do small dogs, which is a same. good thing. <laughs> and we got, we got a cat. We had two cats, but one of the cats died. Oh. Uh, quite young. They were rescue cats, and they were a bit, um, they'd been interbred. So they were... He's very stupid, our cat Smithers. Let's do an emergency question. It'll save us. It'll save us. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a good ruse, isn't it? Because it's a plug for your book. It is. <laughs> well... <laughs> If you could have all your teeth replaced by psychic orbs that could tell you all future events by telepathy but would scream at a high-pitched volume every time you opened your mouth, would you go ahead with the teeth replacement operation? Could I have the question again? Yep. <laughs> if you get... It's quite, I'm surprised you haven't been asked this before. If you could have all your teeth replaced by psychic orbs... So they're, they're spheres, but they're teeth-sized, I'd imagine. They're psychic. They're psychic. They can tell you all future events by telepathy, so they'll just beam into your mind everything that's going to happen. Okay. Uh, but they would, if you opened your mouth, they would scream at a high-pitched volume every time you opened your mouth. <laughs> would you go ahead with the teeth <laughs> replacement operation? It's a perfectly valid question. Okay, so it's sort of yes or no answer. <laughs> yeah. I think probably not. Okay. 
all I need to know. I'm quite psychic anyway. So yeah, I, are I, don't, you? I don't need orbs. I, I get little twitches. Do you? Yes. What, what have you predicted? I can tell when someone's pregnant okay. before they know themselves. Okay. And I can tell when someone's dying okay. oh, before they know themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and I can tell when someone's lying as well. Okay. I don't know if that's psychic. It's just... Yeah, but that's but that's that's an em- empathetic thing. How you? Am I going to be? Am I doing all right? I'm, I kind of worry about dying because I've got tiny children. When's your fiftieth? Twelfth uh, of July. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I won't make it. No, you'll be fine. Oh well, okay, thank God. Now I'm just going to go and run in the road and stuff because you've said I'm safe. <laughs> Is it like that? If I can, can I take danger? Can I do dangerous stunts now? No, it's it's more when people are ill. Oh, okay. Yeah. Damn. Damn it. And. Uh, well, you've got loads of things coming up, haven't you? Been, there's a play that's been written for you. Yes. Le Grand Mort. Was... Yes. The director, Chris Renshaw, phoned me up and said, did I think I could handle... No. <laughs> <laughs> did I think I could cope with a two-hander or something like that? It's <laughs> <laughs> terrible life, Richard. <laughs> Trying to think imagine. up filth all the time. <laughs> Um, no, I'm doing it's 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 play um, that someone wrote for me. Yes, and we're doing it at the Trafalgar Studios. Uh, it's starting in September. And I, I, you know, I think because I, I don't want to get bored. I think it's important to stretch yourself. Yes, and uh, just ignore them, <laughs> making up their own jokes now. So it, I have no idea if I could do it. It's proper acting required, apparently. Yeah. And, uh, but you've done plays before. You've done. The taboo. And I did taboo, and I did uh, cabaret. cabaret yeah. I played the embassy in cabaret. But um, the trouble is, you know, because I like, like we do, you just chat away. You know vaguely what you're going to talk about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it doesn't really matter what order the words <laughs> come out in. And um, but if you're doing musical theatre, people are quite precious. You know, <laughs> if you <laughs> if you say the words in the wrong order or in a different inflection, they completely their performance is ruined. <laughs> and um, I was bored in a matinee, and there was a bit where I was on stage as the MC, and someone walked this boy who had to walk past, and I had to say "Willkommen," and I was bored, so I thought I changed this, and I said, "How common." <laughs> and I was called to the company manager's office right. and given a dressing down for uh, changing the words. Yes. So, uh, so, you know, I understand, apparently, in, in the real theatre, you can't do that. And do you worry... Cause I'm also worried that someone's going to cough and I'll say, oh, you'll need to suck a fisherman's <laughs> friend. Or something like that. It's a very small venue and the audience will be literally where you are. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, mean, I just think it's, it's doing the same thing every day and not being allowed to change it. Yes. Is, uh, that's what I f- would be scared of about taking Yes, I, I, am, I am quite scared yeah. about it. Yeah. And it's a dark um, comedy, but um, you know, there, there aren't that many laughs in it. <laughs> so, and it's, it's very reassuring, isn't it, getting a laugh? Yes. I can't understand how you can do um, like Shakespeare, where you're on stage for two hours... You've no idea if anyone's enjoying it or not until you get to the end, and then you get your applause. <laughs> yeah. So well, that went well. We kind of need the reassurance. Well, but it's a, jo- it's a. Uh, that's what's interesting about comedy, and that's what's interesting when people tell you you're not one isn't a funny comedian. You know, if someone complains about you. Can, so we literally have every night a barometer of whether we're funny or not. We have a literal, you know, jo- someone's marking our work as we go. Yes. Every single night. So you know if it's not working, if it's not funny. 
but yeah, and as an actor, you must be quite nice because you kind of don't have to, you know. Oh, I, you have I, to I'm, feel the silence, I suppose. Yes, I'm dreading that though. Yeah, that's interesting. But with say, but with the pantos, which is a, still a, a a form of play. Oh yes, but you can do what you like in pantos. You're allowed to mess around. There's, there's no fourth wall. No. That's the whole point. Yeah. It's, Constantly, I mean, you come out of character and you can talk to the... Would you mind keeping your legs slightly closer together? <laughs> trying to work here. And then you carry on with yeah. the show. Well, and what's quite interesting... I mean, I do find it interesting that... Um, that history, of that, that kind of... The pantomime thing and the camp thing in pantomime, it's, it's sort of an interesting thing because people... Are, in the past, when homosexuality was illegal, people would come to the theatre and, and see that sort of comedy and Kenneth Williams and all that sort of stuff on the radio. Yes. It's kind of interesting that people enjoy it in a theatrical situation. Do you know what I mean? And, and accept it. Um, but it's also quite interesting that you're doing very, very risque jokes in front of families and children. Yes, I know. I did this. We did the Panto at the Palladium last year yeah. and uh, I had a scene with the aforementioned Paul O'Grady <laughs> yes. and, uh, and then we came on and, and he was playing the Baroness, and I was Dundini, and uh, how did it go? It was something about, um, oh, how lovely to see you. Um, do you remember, we were, we've known each other for years, do you remember um, when we were in the circus together? And I had said, yes, I was the human cannonball. I used to shoot over the ringmaster's back. <laughs> and it's quite, you know, yeah. a strong joke. Yeah. But they couldn't touch you for it, because, you know... <laughs> And in your end, it's got double meaning, and uh, we would look askance at the audience. <laughs> it's, that's, I find it, it's, it's a fascinating thing. It's a fascinating that that's, you know, when, I do, when you play festivals of stand up, you, you know, there's often the families in the audience, and you kind of have to decide am I going to do my set or am I going to leave because I haven't got any jokes that will work for five year olds. So I just do the set, and people will get very, you know, will sometimes get upset. I'll say at the beginning, this is going to get racy, it's up to you if you want to yes. say it. But it's, it's sort of interesting that you can go to a different environment. And I think that's sort of is in, what's interesting about that, you know, the Norman Lamont thing is that that was still in that panto tradition, really. Yes. It's, you know, and it's, that, that's, that's what's, it's crazy that that was picked up on, really. It was. Um, but I do, I write books for children as well. Yes, and so I, yeah. and I was doing a, a children's book event in Hull yesterday. What a shithole that is. <laughs> and, um, So it was a lovely... I really enjoy it, you know. I, I read from the, from the books, the bolds, and yeah. the artist, David Roberts, is there, and he draws on a visualiser. Anyway, it's all yeah. great fun. And, um, but I have to be careful, you know, uh, that I don't cross that line. <laughs> and there's a bit where I take questions from the darling children. Yes. And um, so I was question, question, and I said, um, would you like me to go up the back? Meaning, a question from... But there were a couple of parents that laughed. I thought unnecessarily loudly. But that's... That sort of stuff. I mean, what is joyous, I think, as a parent is when you can go and see something that works on those two levels. Yes. So, and, you know, it doesn't necessarily be rude and... But well, it's funny. adult stuff on this. Because I write them and my... Um, my editor is paranoid that I'm going to get some filthy innuendo <laughs> slip through that she hasn't noticed. Yeah. And to the point where, and I, I don't, don't, you know, but she is she's furious. In the second book, there's a character called Roger the Sheep. <laughs> and 
it was honestly, it was not intentional. You just can't help yourself. It wasn't, no. I thought Roger would be a funny name for a sheep. You had a very stern email. <laughs> All the comedians are writing books now, but you've, yours are, yours, you've been doing this for a little while, haven't this has been... I'm obsessed with it, yes. Yeah. I've, once you've created the, the, the characters, because they're... And it's about a family of hyenas. <laughs> and, uh, and it's a story I made up when I was eight years old and I didn't have any friends at that time <laughs> for reasons I won't bore you with. But I was in the garden and I used to watch the family next door and they were a very hairy family. Mother had this lovely hair and the father took his shirt off in the summer and he had hair all down the back. Yeah. And I thought, oh, wouldn't it be interesting if living next door was an f- animal, family of animals no one knows except me and, uh, and then they, they were laughing one day and they had a very loud cackling laugh <laughs> and I said that confirms it they are a family of hyenas so um, when they said write a book for children that was the story I came back That's to great. and um, I've written there's three published now and I've just finished writing the fourth one and there's going to be a fifth one whether they want one or not <laughs> <laughs> and will it become a TV show and a film there's, and a there's talk I mean who knows there's, yeah. a of, there's a lot of talk about everything isn't there but yeah. um, anyway I don't care I just really uh, I've written adult books which takes it out of you you know it yeah. takes a couple of years and it's blood sweat and tears uh, children's books about 25,000 words and uh, and I just regress to being a child when I'm writing it so and, and I, I just have a lovely time yeah Oh, that's great. Yeah, it was the, the the book is, you know, there's, it's, it's you did have a difficult difficult childhood. I mean, the school you went to sounds appalling. Oh yes. Um, and they then what I like about the end of the chapter, there's a lot of I don't know if you want to talk about. It, there's a lot of unpleasant. You went to school with monks, basically. Benedictine monks. Yeah, which is never a good start, is it? No, Saint Benedict's kneeling, but about half half of them are in prison now because they were all they were all done for molesting boys. I was never molested, but. Uh, and I, it's interesting what you know and or sense as a child. Because yeah. I was, I was, there was one one monk mincing around, Father David, and oh, it's suspicious of him, even before I knew why. Yeah. You know, he was always um, coming in and out of the latrines. And uh, anyway, he's just got eight years. <laughs> yeah, but there was a lot of uh, corporal punishment. Oh yes, they liked to beat you. Each monk had his own weapon. Yeah. Um, it was the 70s, not that long ago, but it, it was true. They, one of them had a strap, one of them had a cane, and one of them had a cricket bat. And one of them didn't have any weapon at all. So part of the ritual for... If Father Edmund wanted to beat you, you had to go and see Father Harrison and get the cane. So you had to walk right the length of the school carrying this cane, which he would then beat you with. And uh, I was only beaten twice. Um, once for forgetting my swimming things right. uh, which was my loss because I liked swimming yeah. and the other time was when a boy called Robert Hines stole Father Gregory's strap and uh, he, Father Gregory said if, if this isn't returned I will beat the whole school and uh, we said oh, don't give it back you know and so he didn't and so we were all lined up around the playground and uh, we were all beaten it was called a mass execution but we only got one each and I went to the back of the queue because I knew his arm would be quite tired <laughs> by then yeah 
It's, it's sort of astonishing. I, mean, I remember when Corporal Punishment was made like illegal. Well, yeah, it wasn't soon after. And I, thought, but I, me- I remember, like, we, I can't remember if I ever got it, but there was, pe- you know, kids were slippered at primary school. And this was when you were quite young as well, wasn't it? So you were middle school, was it? Was it, was it? No, right was the way it, through. Yeah. Was it right through? But it's just uh, the idea of an adult, like, who's meant to be educating. Well, they just And a religious it. person. Well, it was part of St. Benedict's rule yeah. that he said that boys must be beaten if they do anything wrong. Yeah. Uh, but it did, you know, it did attract um, dubious people <laughs> to the vocation. Yeah. But they asked you to, if you wanted to make a contribution, <laughs> now you were famous to the oh, school. Oh, they did, yes. <laughs> Which you... Told to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, look, I think we might have to... Uh, it's been a lot of fun talking to you. And you, who'd have Good. thought? <laughs> I knew we'd make friends. Um, <laughs> uh, but thanks so much for, for coming down. It's been, it's been really fantastic. Uh, coming down. Uh, and uh, no, fantastic. Go, going down would going down, yeah, that would have been better. You're, you're the master of it. I can't. I haven't talked about you farted in front of the Queen. I forgot about that. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's Julie Clary. <laughs> Do you like them sky potatoes? <laughs>why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag. A watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks for listening. RichardHarring.com slash gigs. GoFasterStripe.com for all my books, downloads, all that sort of shizzle. Oh, yeah, I know all the cool words. And um, would love to see you on the on the Can I Have My Ball Back tour if you can make it. Bye.